What's up, you guys? This is another episode of the Triple Ops Report, where we talk about sports, comics, and pop culture. And today, as usual, every Monday, I have my weekend recap. We're going to recap everything that happened over the weekend. So, uh, first off, uh, let's just go ahead and knock out the more serious thing that happened. I'm going to start with sports, because this is a sports-dominated episode. And I'll just go ahead and knock out the more serious thing that happened over the weekend, obviously. Uh, unfortunately, with uh, Mel Tucker... In the Michigan State situation, uh, he was just uh, uh, accused of sexual harassment by a uh, sexual assault af- activist in, in Brendan Tracy. I'm not going to go into details of what happened because it's awful and it's well known. And and like like it's just it, it, he's on a, a, a on administrative leave. Like he's not getting paid. He's going to get fired. I guess they're just waiting to wait until the, the full Title IX investigation is done, or until their investigation is over with. But yeah, he's he's on his way out, and and it's just it's an awful situation. Like, just think, like you know what's happened with what what everything that's happened with that school in general, like in the past with stuff like this, and and not just Michigan State, but the Big Ten in general in the past with stuff like this. And who she was and, and what she's gone through. And you as a head coach who's a married man still do the awful thing you did. I'm not going to talk about what you did, but you can look into it yourself. It's un- it's just vile. But yeah, like like Mel Tucker, it, just scummy behavior, scummy behavior, honestly. Just awful behavior. And yeah, he should be fired as soon as possible. Like, you have a, a $95 million contract. And, and you do that. Like, just knocking, just, even like, you shouldn't ignore the moral things. But even knocking out the moral things, just like, the, the potential of losing out any $95 million contract. I would not allow myself to do stuff like that. I wouldn't allow, allow myself to do stuff like that in general because I'm not an awful, nasty person. But yeah. Like, like, that's just, just a terrible situation. And I feel bad for everyone involved not named him. Uh, from the players, uh, the students, uh, the victim. Just everyone involved. Because now Michigan State's going to be in... I don't know what happens now. But I, I guess uh, the DB coach, Harlan uh, Barnett, is going to be the new interim head coach. And, and uh, Mark D'Antonio's going to be back as, like, an associate head coach. It, it, they have to face Washington coming up, a, a top 10 national title contender, like this week. It's just a lot going on. It's, it's, they've gone, it's, it's it, I feel bad for this, for the players who, I, I, you know, listen to Mel Tucker and, and they went along with everything he's been saying, everything from, from, uh, Tuck coming and everything, like, like, uh, believing in everything he's saying and finding out this guy's a fraud. Like, like, it, it, it's just a, a sad situation, unfortunately. And, and, and uh, who knows what happens with Michigan State after this. Uh, I do hope that the victim is fine. Like, like And I'll say this, too, in regards to this. Uh, uh, this goes beyond football, obviously. I, I hope people know this. But I've seen, I've seen good things. I've seen a lot of mature Michigan fans and people uh, like that online who were saying, like, yeah, this is not something that we got to talk smack about at all. You shouldn't. Because we have our own skeletons. As a Michigan fan, uh, everything involving Bo Schembechler, 
just like, yeah, we, we shouldn't really be talking either. And like I said, like stuff like this is not sports related. This goes beyond sports. I, I can rag on Michigan State if they stink on the football field. But like anything beyond that, no. Like this is a, situ- a, a serious situation here. So like, yeah, to all Michigan fans out there and just sports fans in general, don't do this. Don't do that stuff. Don't add this to ammo. This is a very serious situation. And I hope the best for Michigan State and for, for the victim in the future. For the people not named Mel Tucker because he, he's an awful person. Primarily the players and, and the students and fans who had nothing to do with this. So, uh, uh, along with that, uh, on a much lighter note, in college football in general, for week two, a lot happened. Uh, first off, on the field, uh, there's a lot of parity this year. This is probably the most wide-open year that I've seen in, in a long time. Maybe, like, I guess... Actually, I think this is probably the most parity for a college football season in terms of, like, national title contenders since, like, the first year, 2014. On paper, there's a lot of teams you could you could pick between. You got Michigan, Georgia, Penn State, Texas, Florida State, USC, Washington, Notre Dame. There's a lot of teams this year that I think could win it all. So it's really up for grabs. And what helps out with that is also uh, a conference strength. You know, usually the SEC is king, right? This year, that's not the case at all. The Pac-12, clear-cut number one. They've gone 19-3 uh, and three overall non-conference, which I think is the best start in history or, like, in recent, like, in modern times, like, last, like, 30-plus years. Uh, and against major conferences, Power 5 conferences, they've gone 6-3 and three in non-conference. Uh they're clear-cut the best conference in college football right now, which is is pretty funny. I guess it's like a, a, a swan song for them because this is literally the last year of the Pac-12's existence, or at least for now. So I, I guess why not go all out, uh, which I projected they do. I actually predicted in my, in my uh, preseason rankings, I mean, like my uh, preseason college football preview episode, that the Pac-12 would be the best conference in college football this year. I just looked at, at the teams, and I looked at even the worst teams, and I thought, man, they could have, like, 10 teams go to a bowl game and, like, six teams ranked by the end of the year. So, yeah, I, I kind of thought from the get-go, like, this is going to be a loaded conference this year. And it's definitely showing. Uh, outside the Pac-12, actually, I think the Big Ten and the ACC are the next best conferences. I think the SEC is, like, fourth or fifth with the Big 12. They're having a down year. Probably the worst year for the, I've seen, honestly, ever. Not in the history of the SEC, but, like, that I can re- uh, remember. Yeah, this is a really bad year for the SEC overall. They've gone 4-6 and, and six in power against Power 5 teams this year. And they still got some more ACC games to go, like, at the end of the season. So, yeah, like, like there's a lot more parity this, this year. And I think that's great for college football. And there's national title contenders across, like I said, across each conference. This is the first time since 2017 that... The top five are consisting of five different of all five different Power Five conferences, and, and the AP top twenty-five. That's a great thing. So, like, along with that, uh, speaking of the SEC struggling, Alabama, I had a bold prediction this year that Bama would go nine and three and play in the Citrus Bowl, and I think that's coming to. I think uh, I feel a lot more confident about that pick every like more and more each day. Bama did not. I mean, Texas looked great, but. Bama's offense wasn't clicking like that. They had their usual big plays, but overall, like consistently, they couldn't really gradually 
get down the field like that at all against Texas defense. And it was at Bama, and they lost by double figures. The last time Bama had lost at home was LSU, right? But, like, non-conference-wise at home, Nick Saban's first year, 2007, was Louisiana Monroe when Bama was, what, 6-6 six and six that year? I was in middle school. Like, that's how far away it was. So, and, and not just lose, Bama, but lose, like, double figures to, to, to Texas. And I feel like Texas left a lot of points on, on like, they didn't, they could have scored more, honestly, Texas. So, like, like, yeah, like, Bama was clearly outplayed at home. This is not, this is probably his weakest team since Nick Saban since uh, 2010. And in terms of talent, like, probably since 07, this first year. So, like, yeah, you can definitely see, like, Bama, it, the, the days of it ruling, college, that team ruling college football, or are over for a while, probably. And I, like I said, I had a bold prediction that Nick Saban would probably retire at the end of the year. i sticking to that. I wouldn't be surprised if he does retire. Really. Because, like, what else is there left? You had a dominant dynasty for years, and now it just seems to be uh, going down. And, and at the rate it's going, it doesn't seem like it's going to really go back up. Georgia's back on top. You got Michigan. Penn State's risen. Ohio State's still there. Texas is getting back up. Florida State's getting back up. Notre Dame's getting back up. USC's back up. Washington's right there. Like like I said, you still got a whole bunch of teams right there. Like, you're not going to be able to rule college football like you used to, I don't think. So, like, like I really do think this is probably the end of an era, potentially, with Saban and Alabama. Uh, now, another big thing that happened in sports, obviously, was week one of the NFL. Uh, first off, I just want to say the Lions, I predicted that the Lions would be a very good team this year. And I predicted that they could be a potential Super Bowl team. I picked them to make it all the way to the NFC title game. And yeah, <laughs> look at that. They beat the Chiefs, which I also predicted. They look legit. That defense looks much better. That offense looks really good. And I'm going to say something here. I know that he that Mahomes was, was uh, without... Uh, uh, Travis Kelsey, and the receivers they have now aren't really clicking in that first game. But let's let's be honest here, y'all. Jared Goff, he legit might have even outplayed Patrick Mahomes a in that game, at least passing-wise. Like, like, that Lions offense is clicking, and that Lions defense is clicking. Like, that's a team to watch out for. They could, this, <laughs> this, they could really make some history here this year. And not just the Lions, uh, for the Cowboys and 49ers look like the two teams to beat in the NFC this year. If it weren't for the Lions, that team, that those two teams, I think, would be a lock uh, for an NFC title game matchup. Like, I, like they look, I know it's just week one and you don't want to over-exaggerate, but their defenses were elite last year, and it, it doesn't show like it's <laughs> any different this year. The Giants and Steelers are not bad teams. These are not pushovers. And, and the, the, the Cowboys and, and 49ers made them look like absolute jokes. From like the beginning of the, from the kickoff, from the first kickoff to like the last second of the game. Complete and utter domination on both of those teams. Uh, the Jaguars also look legit. An offense is really good. Trevor Lawrence looks really good. Uh, I will say though that uh, Richardson, quarterback for the Colts, he did 
he, he, he does look good though. I will say, I hope he, the entry that he got wasn't too bad because he, I was just, let's just say he looked like clear cut the best rookie quarterback at, from week one. Like wasn't even close. CJ uh, Shroud kind of struggled, really struggled. Uh, Bryce Young really struggled. Uh, the Panthers, yeah, like I said, I feel confident saying the Saints will, will win the, the NFC South. I don't feel confident because I'm not a big fan of any of the teams in the NFC South. But from what I saw from week one, I, I'll just say I'll stick with my prediction. I feel confident in my prediction that the Saints will win the NFC South. Uh, the Seahawks were a disappointing team. They, that was a disappointing uh, uh, result. And, like, what was baffling was just how bad the offense played in the second half. <laughs> like, like, but the defense, yeah, they played really bad in the second half, too. But eventually the defense just got tired because the offense couldn't do anything. They couldn't gain yards. They had, like, one yard after, like, what, it was like one and a half quarters? And, like, at, midway through the fourth quarter, they had, like, one yard in the second half? Like, like, the offense couldn't, like, stay on the field. So the defense just got more tired. So, yeah, the Seahawks, that was disappointing. Uh, the Broncos, eh, Raiders, I don't expect any of those two teams to make the playoffs. And from what I saw, I feel confident in saying that. Dolphins and Chargers, though, they looked really good. I like both teams. Their offenses look really good. Uh, I still think, though, the Chargers, from what I saw, I'm sticking with my prediction that they're going to be, like, right out, right outside the playoffs and miss it because the AFC's low this year. And I just think the Dolphins, they just had too much firepower. And also, Tyree Kill, first bad Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, obviously, probably a top 10 receiver all the time when he retires. Like, what a sheet code. <laughs> uh... I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna be too worried about the Bengals, and I don't think any Bengals fans should be either, honestly, because every single year now under Joe Burrow, they've had slow starts. They looked like they were gonna be almost like a, a, a completely not missing the playoffs altogether, like a bottom tier team his rookie year, and then out of nowhere they made the playoffs. Uh, his second year, they. Looked really bad at first. Looked like they might actually miss the playoffs altogether. And then, boom, make the AFC title game. If I'm correct, they won the division too. This year, I think the same thing will happen. I, I think they're going to start slow and then finish the year out top two in, in the AFC. I'm not still not high on the Browns yet because Deshaun Watson didn't really impress me at all. And, and I just feel like the Browns were just benefiting off of the Bengals playing objectively awful last last uh, yesterday. Uh, now, the Vikings and Giants, uh, I don't know. I still stick with the Vikings making the playoffs, maybe. I don't know. The Giants, I don't think they're that bad. I just think that the Cowboys' defense is that good. And, yeah, I will say, though, the, uh, the turnovers and everything, the whole line for the Giants was a bit of a concern. Like, like, I get that the, line, that the Cowboys have a monstrous D-line in front seven in general, but they couldn't contain at all. Like, it was just like Swiss cheese the entire game. It was kind of disturbing just how easily <laughs> the Cowboys get, could get pressure every single play. So that's a bit of a concern. Uh, also, with the Ravens, I genuinely hope that J.K. Dobbins, like, that's just... This is an awful situation. And I believe it was his contract was... Like, this is a contract season for him, too. 
So that's just awful. Like some of the worst injury luck I've ever seen, honestly. Uh, and the Ravens in general, just a lot of injuries. I don't know what's up with that team. Like they they still won comfortably, but like whoever's their like whoever's over uh, uh, straight, to, straight to conditioning with that team, they got like they got to do something like change something because this is another year in a row. I feel like what three years in a row now where they just racking up injuries. Like it's getting that like it's getting really ridiculous at this point. Oh, and and one more thing with with the NFL, obviously uh, the bear the Packers, Bears and Packers. The Packers, Jordan Love. Now I still think they're a year away from really turning it up, but because I think the Bears are just really bad. But Jordan Love looks really good though. Still, like it looks like uh, they're going to continue. They got their quarterback for the future for the next ten years at least, I guess. The Bears, on the other hand, oh man, like I I saw a lot of Bears fans on Twitter like hyping up the team, and I, I was a little confused. But I feel like, yeah, I, I yeah, uh, at first I was starting to lose a little bit of, not, not confidence, but I was like, huh, what do I not know that these fans know about the Bears coming up this season? But, nope, I feel confident again. The Bears look terrible, as I expected. They, man, they look even worse than last year, honestly. I, I don't know what's up with that team. I mean, I know what's up, but, like, Justin Fields, do I think he's that bad of a quarterback? No. But he doesn't have a lot of weapons around him, and they don't do a good job of drafting just everything. They they really need. I don't know what the Bears can do honestly. Like like it looks pretty bottomless for the next few years for them. So uh, that was it for the NFL for this week. Uh, I do have some extra stuff with sports because again this is a pretty sports dominated episode. Uh, tennis, Coco Golf. Look at that. Like, like with the youngest to win the U.S. Open since uh, Serena, if I'm correct, 19 years old. I mean, wow. And she has a bright future. And she's been on the map for a while now. Like, we first heard of her in, in tennis when she, when she was, what, 16, I believe? Like, like she's been... So, like, she, she's not out of nowhere. She's not... It's not like a fluke. She's been gradually getting better and better and more elite each year. She's definitely... Uh, 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 probably the, what one of the top faces of the sport in the future, definitely, and just in general tennis in general, there's a lot of eyeballs on them this on this sport the last couple of years, like like they have a bright future for both the men's and women's side tennis. Uh, also Team USA in men's basketball in FIBA in the FIBA World Tournament. Yikes! Like like I said that. A, a problem from the get-go that they'd have is the lack of rebounding and the lack of big men and uh, the lack of defense, and it showed these last three games. They gave, what, 39 points to Dylan Brooks? Team Canada wins bronze. Second tournament in a row that we have not won a medal. So uh, there's definitely a problem. And yeah, I get the whole uh, uh, we were with our B and C teams, but there are a lot of te- uh, uh, teams out there that didn't have their key key players either. Lithuania beat us, right? They didn't have Sabonis. You know, their best player by far. And they still beat us. Canada, yes, they had uh, uh, Shai Gilles Alexander, but they still didn't have Jamal Murray. There are actually several players that Canada didn't have. <laughs> that play in the NBA. Like, like, we're not the only one. So this is still 
very concerning. And it's so concerning, apparently. And now, uh, LeBron, Steph Curry, KD, uh, AD, Jason Tatum, Draymond Green, I think a few others, what, Devin Booker and, and, and uh, uh, Dame Lillard, like, they said they're ready to, to if, the need, if need be, they're ready to, 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 to join Team USA for 2024. I guess for a certain, like the older players, like LeBron and, and uh, Draymond Green and, and Steph Curry and KD, it's like the last hurrah. Like, uh, yeah, like, like, <laughs> I guess, I guess it shows you just, like, how bad of a situation men's basketball is in Team USA-wise the last few years. Because these guys decided, like, okay, yeah, we can sit back. The future's bright. But, again, we filled a medal. So now they're back again. And this says something about the future of the NBA in general, like, uh, about the top players being American. We got Luka Doncic and, and, and Jokic and uh, uh, Giannis. It, it, right now, like, in Shy, like, right now, for the future, it, I don't know, man. Like, the top five players in the NBA is a very good case that none of them are American in the future. So it, the top team is their top two players uh, aren't American. Jamal Murray and Jokic. So, like, uh, I don't know what's up with the future of American basketball, but it is a bit concerning. We're not going to lose medals in the Olympics, I don't think, anytime soon. Well, at least, like, not in the next few couple Olympics. But if it keeps on going the way it's going, who knows what happens by, like, the 2040s. Seriously. We might not be favorites. Or at least not runaway favorites. Like, automatic favorites in men's basketball. So... That was it for sports. Very sports-dominated episode. I did have a couple things to talk about, though. Uh, two quick things. First off, Oppenheimer. Like I said, I'm going to do an Oppenheimer tracker. So, like, every single week, uh, weekend recap episode, I'm going to go see how much it made at that point. So, I was like, oh, a couple episodes ago, I said, like, what, 700 mil, something like that? Now, Oppenheimer is at $891 million made worldwide. Less than 10 million away from 900 million, not that far away from a billion. Again, this is a three plus hour long biopic about atomic bombs in World War II. This is a very depressing movie. This is like the very antithesis of what would be considered a blockbuster. It is make very well on its way to making a billion this year. <laughs> like that, that's crazy. Uh, it's the second highest grossing uh, biopic ever. It's probably going to uh, become the highest growth in the next couple of weeks. Like I said, that that's crazy. And like the other thing I want to talk about, uh, you might, you all might not know this, but this is the last day of the McMahon's. Well, with in regards to WWE, this is the last day of, of Vince McMahon being head over it. Because starting tomorrow on Tuesday, Endeavor will officially by WWE officially and merge with UFC to create a new company called TKO. So again, this is a, a huge this is a huge deal in the pro wrestling world, and, and this is a story. This is gonna be the first time that Vince McMahon is not over WWE in 40 years. So and the first time uh, McMahon in general wasn't over WWE what ever. Truly a, a surreal moment in history of pro wrestling. So uh, that's it. 
for my weekend recap. Uh, time for my big time pick. And obviously, I have to go with the Bills versus Jets tonight, Monday Night Football, right? So, uh, with this game, hmm, this is a toss-up to me. Like, these are two teams that are going to be pretty equal. The NFC East in general looks really good. Uh, the Patriots are kind of the clear-cut, the worst team, but they're not bad. They're just fine. While, like, the top three teams, Dolphins, as we saw on Sunday, uh, the Bills and the Jets, on paper, look all great, but to, if not elite. So, like, the Bills, we know how good the Bills are. Josh Allen and everything, but the Jets, I mean, the first off, they had a loaded roster before Aaron, Ross, Aaron Rodgers and were, like, just a decent quarterback away from being a lock for the playoffs last, last year, which was a big jump off from what they were the year before that. So this year with Aaron Rodgers, as long as he's not, like, as long as he hasn't hit a wall and just, like, gotten too old, just off of what he, like, just off of, like, a, a, a skill set alone, like, the the, 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 the Bills and, I mean, the Jets this year should be a playoff team, honestly. At least a wild card team. So, like, I, it's kind of a toss-up to me. Like, uh, overall, I think the Jets probably have a better roster across the board, but I think that Aaron Rodgers, as good as, as much as an improvement he is over what quarterbacks they had last year, the Jets, I still think Josh Allen is, is right now, this moment, a better quarterback. So if it, if I were to say who would win, it's a toss-up, I'll give the edge to the Bills. I don't know, I just, I know what the Bills are more than I do the Jets. So I'll give the edge to the Bills. But if the Jets win, I wouldn't be surprised. So it's a toss-up either way. It's a huge game, obviously. Biggest game of the week on paper. So that's it for today. And I just want to thank you guys for uh, listening. Without you guys, I wouldn't have this. Like I said, I think I'm at episode 50 or I'm close. I'm very close to episode 50. It's all thanks to you guys. I also want to thank you guys for liking and following and downloading and subscribing. I also want to thank you guys for following me on Twitter at Pulliam, P-U-L-L-I-A-M, underscore Blake, all lowercase, and following me on threads, if you even have that still, uh, Blake, Pulliam, underscore one, all lowercase. Also, thank you guys for following me on TikTok, the Triple Ops Report, just like the name of my podcast. So, that's it for today. See you guys again on Wednesday. You know how it is, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. See you guys. Bye.